Welcome back to Oliver's Insights, part of the Simplifying Investing podcast series. I'm Adam Masters. It's great to have you here. Before we begin, a reminder that this podcast is general in nature and hasn't taken your circumstances into account. It's important you consider your personal circumstances and speak to a financial advisor before deciding what is right for you. Any general tax information provided is intended as a guide only. With that out of the way, here's Shane. Thanks, Adam, and good day, everyone. This week, we saw the Reserve Bank raise interest rates again, as widely expected. The move was 0.5%, taking it to 1.85%. This is more than double the 0.75% rate that applied before the pandemic started. Since tightening started back in May, we've seen 175 basis points in rate hikes. And that's the fastest back-to-back series of rate hikes since increases of 0.25%, 0.75% and 1% in October, November and December 1994, respectively. So, pretty rapid interest rate increases. Now, of course, in justifying that move, the Reserve Bank noted that inflation is the highest it's been since the early 1990s. Obviously, a reference to the 6.1% inflation rate reported a week ago and set to rise further with strong demand and a tightening labour market, or a tight labour market at least, playing a role in all of that. In other words, it's not just global supply factors, but there are local factors as well, and it's not just supply, but also demand. The labour market remains very tight, that's another factor they cited, and they also said that businesses are still pointing to a lift in wages growth ahead, and they also noted the importance of keeping medium-term inflation expectations low and well-anchored. While the RBA downgraded its growth forecasts from 4.25% to 3.25% for this calendar year and to 1.75% for each of the next two years, it revised up its inflation forecast for this year from 6% to 7.75%. That was actually a little bit more than it had signalled a month or so ago. They said they are probably going to be 7%. Anyway, they ended up roughly where the Federal Treasury is at 7.75%. And they also revised up their inflation forecast for this for next calendar year to 4%. So why is the Reserve Bank raising interest rates so rapidly? A simple reason is that they want to slow down the level of demand in the economy to be more in line with constrained supply. That's reason number one. Reason number two is that they want to contain inflation expectations. And they're doing that by acting tough and sounding tough and reinforcing their commitment to the inflation target. Now, one big lesson of the 1960s and 1970s, as we pointed out a couple of weeks ago, is that the longer inflation remains high, the more inflationary expectations will rise and get built into price and wage setting, making it even harder to get inflation back down. So that's what the Reserve Bank is on about here, slowing demand and keeping inflation expectations down. Now, the Reserve Bank's commentary remained hawkish. You could argue, and I'll come onto this in a moment, it was probably a little bit less hawkish than might have been feared or than was the case a month ago, but it was still hawkish with the Reserve Bank reiterating that it will do what is necessary to return inflation to target and it indicated that it expects to raise interest rates further. We expect that the banks will pass on the RBA rate hike in full to their variable rate customers and deposit rates will rise further. Now, I guess you could all get very gloomy with this series of interest rate hikes month after month, but I reckon there's actually five good reasons why the peak is starting to come into sight and it's going to have a two in front of it rather than a three or more. 
you can get lost in the details here, but uh, I think further rate hikes from here will be somewhat limited. And there's a bunch of reasons for that. I mean, I'm the first to argue that we've got to get inflation back under control. The 1970s experience highlights the dangers of high inflation. That would be disastrous for Australians, disastrous for the economy and disastrous for investment markets, as we saw in the 1970s. So the RBA is right to sound tough and act aggressively for now. However, we remain of the view that the cash rate won't have to go as high for the RBA to call demand to take pressure off inflation, as many seem to be implying. In fact, the money markets, or what some people refer to as the futures market, has lowered its expectations for the cash rate from 4% two months ago, but it's now still over 3%, and even the consensus of economists, as surveyed by Bloomberg last week, still has the cash rate rising above 3% over the course of the next year. And so that's pretty much the consensus. Our view, though, is that the cash rate will peak at around 2.6%. In other words, lower than consensus, and we see the peak having a two in front of it rather than a three. Now, there's five good reasons for that. First one is that global supply pressures, which have played such a big role in pushing inflation up, are now starting to ease. And you can see this quite clearly in the US, where various business surveys show reduced delivery times, falling work backlogs, lower freight costs. And that's a global phenomenon, and we're talking here about air freight and ship freight lower metal and grain prices, they've come down, yes, gas and oil and coal prices still up there, but metal and grain prices have come down and various business surveys globally are starting to show a decline in input and output prices. As a result, we have this little thing called a pipeline inflation indicator for the US. It's been trending down now for some months, suggesting that, that US inflation is either at, i.e. has already peaked, or is soon to peak. In fact, you could argue core inflation has probably already peaked. Now, given that the US has tended to lead in Australia by this, in relation to this, by about six months, it suggests that if the US is in the process of peaking, then in six months' time, we'll probably be doing the same thing. And you can argue that, hopefully, a return to more normal weather after the flood should also help local food prices decline. And you can also make an argument that if we may have seen the peak or come close to it in global energy prices, particularly for oil. If that is the case, the contribution, say if oil prices stay high, that's bad. But if they're not rising any further, their contribution to inflation will go to zero over the course of the next 12 months. It's also arguable that as power generation units come back online in Australia over the next 6-12 months, that we may start to see some of the pressures on electricity prices come back under control to some degree. So all of those things suggest that some of those supply factors may start to ease, uh, and that would certainly be good news. Reason number two, I think you've got a little bit, little bit cautious in reading too much into the RBA. If you go back nine months ago, the RBA kept telling us that uh, you know they don't expect on the basis of their current forecast, or the forecast they had back then, they don't expect to start raising interest rates till 2024 at the earliest. And recently they've been sounding kind of tough. But you've got to bear in mind that they're just another forecasting outfit and they're not necessarily any better at getting these things right than others. They don't have a monopoly on the outlook for inflation or the economy. Um, they have more resources to look at it, but 
they have been wrong-footed on occasion. So I wouldn't get too carried away in over-interpreting Reserve Bank's comments. A couple of weeks ago, we saw the Reserve Bank come out and say the household sector was in reasonably good shape, fairly good position, in fact, was their wording, to withstand higher interest rates. And they were running scenarios of a 3% bottom to top rise in interest rates. They're also saying that current interest rates were still well below estimates of neutral. All of those things were interpreted by some as saying, well, the cash rate has to go above 3%. But just bear in mind that in the most recent week, they seemed somewhat more dovish. So what is it? Bottom line is they don't really know. The neutral rate concept, I think, is a very dodgy one. Uh, it's fine in theory and nice to think about, but uh, there's numerous problems with it. It was no guide to monetary policy in the pre-pandemic years. In fact, for many, many years, the RBA told us the neutral rate was well above the current rate, and yet economic growth continued to slow and they kept cutting interest rates. So it didn't work particularly well then. We won't really know what the neutral rate is until we go through it. Sometimes the Reserve Bank's hawkish rhetoric, you know, sounding tough on inflation, telling us there's more rate hikes to come, is partly to reinforce the, I guess, the, the um, impression that it is determined to get inflation back down. In other words, it wants to sound tough because it knows that, that will infl influence inflation expectations. If it didn't sound tough, then no one would believe it. And of course, um, that would make it much harder to get inflation back down in the first place. Now, of course, their commentary can spin on a dime. As we saw Earlier this year, they went from saying first rate hike not till 2024, and then, of course, we saw those rate hikes coming through starting in May. And in fact, you could argue recently the Reserve Bank may be starting to soften at the edges. Its statement following the August meeting saw a downgrade to its growth forecasts. It made the comment that it wants to get inflation back down while keeping the economy on an even keel. So they're not just focused on inflation, they are focused on other things as well. But we've seen those growth downgrades, as I mentioned earlier. They've also now forecasting a rise in unemployment rate for 19, sorry, for 2024, up to 4%. They've acknowledged the collapse in consumer confidence, and they've also said that they are not on a preset path. So that's given them a little bit of wiggle room. So maybe they're starting to soften at the edges here um, and open the possibility that they may soon start to slow the pace of tightening uh, and we may be getting closer to the top. Finally, their comments recently on the financial health of the household sector sound to me just a little bit too sanguine, and I'll talk about that one in a moment. But the point about all this is the Reserve Bank has no monopoly on the outlook for interest rates. It has got these things wrong in the past, so I wouldn't read too much into its guidance. And just because it's been relatively hawkish lately doesn't mean that it's going to stay hawkish all the way until we get the cash rate above 3%. My feeling is we will see the cash rate peak before then. Reason number three, medium-term inflation expectations are actually remaining reasonably low in Australia. They've gone up for the short term. You ask Australian consumers uh, about the one-year outlook for inflation, it has gone up. There's no doubt about that, and that's been influenced by the rise in petrol prices and the rise in news and headlines about high inflation. But if you look at longer-term expectations, particularly those factored into the bond market, they suggest that inflation expectations remains reasonably well anchored, to use that central bank terminology, and consistent generally with the inflation target of the Reserve Bank. That doesn't mean the Reserve Bank can rest easy, 
um, but it does make their job a little bit easier to get inflation back down if inflation expectations remain under control. Reason number four, many households will see significant mortgage stress as rates go up. And I suspect that that stress will start to multiply once the cash rate gets well above three or goes above 3% and continues rising. So if you look at the household sector, it is probably fair to say, and I had a look at household debt a month or so ago, if you look at it on average, you can say the household sector is in reasonably shape, reasonable shape. We've seen a rise in wealth. We've seen a build up in excess savings through the pandemic and we've seen mortgage buffers. Many people are ahead on their repayments. But averages can be deceiving. It's a bit like having one arm in the freezer and one arm in the oven and saying on average, you are okay. Of course, that's not necessarily the case. My perception of the Reserve Bank scenario analysis on this front is that yes, there's a bunch of households who won't see a big rise in their payments, but the bottom line is they're still gonna be paying higher interest on their debt and it's still gonna take them longer to get their debt down than would otherwise been the case. But more importantly, there's another bunch of households who will see a big increase in their mortgage payments, particularly if they are those people who took out a fixed rate loan maybe a year or two ago and when that rolls over from say 2%, it will go up to something like five or 6%. So there's a significant bunch out there. We estimate basic on the RBA numbers of about 1.3 million households that will see a 40% or greater increase in their mortgage payments. That is actually quite significant. At a time of falling real wages, it is gonna have a significant impact on the economy and will weigh quite seriously on consumer spending, particularly as house prices also weigh on consumer spending via a negative wealth effect. So bottom line is, I think there is a lot of house potential for household stress, for mortgage stress out there as a result of higher interest rates, and I wouldn't be as sanguine as the Reserve Bank on that front. But that doesn't necessarily mean I'm negative about lots of households defaulting on their loans. I don't think that's going to happen. But the reason I don't think it's going to happen is because rates won't go so high that it causes that to happen. Reason number five, that we don't see the cash rate getting above 3%, it looks to me like RBA monetary tightening is getting traction in slowing demand far earlier than would normally be the case. You've just got to look at consumer confidence. It's down at levels normally associated with a recession. This is not the sort of thing you normally see after four interest rate hikes. Likewise, home prices are now falling rapidly with the pace of decline accelerating in July and the three-month pace of decline comparable to that seen in the GFC, the recessions of the early 80s and early 1990s. Now that's not normally something you see after four rate hikes, but it's what's happening here. So that's telling us that the household sector is far more vulnerable, far more sensitive to higher interest rates than has been the case in the past. And it's also starting to become evident, not just in those two things, but in things like retail sales, where the rate of growth has slowed down, um, there's some indication that restaurant and hotel bookings look to be rolling over or slowing down. And likewise, if you look at various banks, their credit and debit card numbers, they also look to be slowing down. So all of those things are telling me that the RBA monetary tightening is starting to get traction. So the bottom line is that for all these reasons, and there was five of them, bottlenecks, supply bottlenecks are improving globally. We're seeing... I wouldn't read too much into what the Reserve Bank is saying when it's, when it's hawkish and dovish. You've got to be a bit cautious about what they're saying. Inflation expectations are reasonably low and under control, or seem to be so far. A lot of households will see mortgage stress 
as rates go higher and higher and the RBA getting traction in terms of the impact of its interest rates on demand. All of those things suggest to us that yes, interest rates, go, rates may go up a little bit further from here, but they're unlikely to go above 3% and we see the cash rate ultimately peaking around 2.6% either later this year or early next year. In fact, two points in relation to that. Firstly, we do see the pace of rate hikes slowing over the next few months. We're gonna see some meetings where nothing happens and the Reserve Bank sits back and sees what the impact of these rates hikes has been. And also by the end of next year, we expect rates to be falling. So there's my potted view on interest rates. Obviously it is uncertain times, but I'm pretty hopeful we're not gonna see an excessive tightening by the RBA and that that won't be necessary to get inflation back under control. And in the meantime, if that's the case, we should be able to avoid some of the scare extreme stories um, regarding falls in property prices and the impact on the broader economy. So I might leave it there. Hope that's been of some value. All the best until next time. Until we meet again, adios. Now to stay up to date on all the latest from Dr. Oliver and the Simplifying Investing podcast series more broadly, be sure to subscribe on your favorite streaming platform. That way you'll never miss an episode. We'll be back soon, but before we go, a quick reminder that all topics discussed today are general in nature and haven't taken your personal circumstances into account. It's important you consider seeking tailored financial advice that is relevant to your own situation before making any important financial decisions.